Hey, and welcome back to Giovanni Andreoli's Movies and More, where I talk about movies and more. Alright everyone, welcome back. Today I'm going to be talking about the original Poltergeist from 1982. This is a movie that I was surprised by how much I liked, actually. I know in general what it's about, uh, like going into it, I knew... I knew that there was going to be a girl putting her hands on the TV, and I knew that the ghosts were communicating through the TV, and I knew about the controversy around whether or not Toby Hooper or Steven Spielberg actually directed the movie. Uh, Toby Hooper gets official credit, but Spielberg is... I don't even know how to phrase it, but there's definitely the, the theory and strong evidence pointing to it that Spielberg was the true director behind this movie. So that's really all I knew going in, and watching it, I was very surprised, because this movie isn't just like a fun 80s movie, or, you know, just kind of a cool, nostalgic flick. This is actually a legitimately great movie. Like, this is a very well-made film. It's got a craft to it that I think is really, really admirable, and it just, uh, it just has a certain elevated quality to it, where it's not, you know, there's plenty of cheesy effects and standard horror movie tropes or at least what would go on to become horror movie tropes but the characters and the performances some of the shots the lighting just the general filmmaking is really really good and I was I was actually pretty blown away by it so I was excited to talk about it it also made me think of a lot of kind of tangentially related topics that I thought would be interesting to tie into the conversation, so let's just get started. Right off the bat, man did this movie remind me of Stranger Things. Obviously when people talk about the influences on that show, they're usually pointing out stuff like The Goonies or E.T. meets uh, like It or Carrie, kind of, you know, Stephen King meets Steven Spielberg is usually the headline. And while that's definitely true, and obviously, you know, down to the font of the logo and the fact that every episode is a chapter, and, you know, the, the influences, they're definitely wearing them on their sleeves. Like, it's not subtle at all. But I think that this movie is often overlooked when it comes to stuff that was thrown into the melting pot that became Stranger Things. And a lot of the imagery and effects and stuff really reminded me of it, and it just had the general vibe especially in the lead up to the, like a lot of the scenes where it starts to get legitimately scary and and the ghosts start to really start wrecking stuff and just the whole concept of a a child going missing in another realm that's in the house somewhere and you have to find the gateway and it's communicating or she's communicating to the parents through these weird like appliances and different different non-traditional methods of communication and they're kind of following it throughout the house and trying to figure out what certain things mean and and how they can uh how they can get her out like a lot of that seemed very similar to parts of stranger things and reminded me of joyce trying to find will and uh the the look of the weird sort of hole that kind of forms in the one wall when it's like after they think that they've successfully got the spirit out of the house and mom's taking the bath and then the thing like attacks her and stuff afterwards the way that kind of looked like that weird gnarly look and then the tentacles kind of coming out and stuff 
that really reminded me of Stranger Things too. So I thought that that was pretty interesting right off the bat, and it definitely made me want to revisit the first season. Not the second or third, fight me, but the first one, the only good one. Again, fight me. So yeah, that was that was noteworthy, and I thought that this movie just had vibes of of a lot of 80s movies and, and 80s themed content that made me very uh, very disappointed that the summer was kind of wrecked by everything that's been going on because there were a lot of movies that were kind of revivals of 80s movies that I was really anticipating seeing and probably chief among them was the new Ghostbusters movie which this also had some Ghostbusters vibes certain characters kind of just have that look and then the whole going into a place and using measurements and different tools to try to figure out where the ghost is and trying to classify it it's not as technical as it is in Ghostbusters. It's not really played for laughs either, but it is, you know, it is similar in certain ways. And seeing stuff get sucked around by the ghosts and, and people are, like, disappearing into different parts of the house and stuff. Like, there there were certain, certain things that definitely reminded me of that movie and, and made me pretty sad that, unfortunately, I don't think it'll be till next year that I'll get to see it. But speaking of of playing stuff for laughs i think that one of the best things the best things that this movie does is not start out ominous the credits kind of are and the the little girl being attracted to the snow kind of is the the opening is very silent so you kind of are in like a in you you, you can tell that not everything's totally right but i think that for a while it does it does a very good job of keeping those things in the background and making you grow close to these characters to this family and uh the way they talk to one another and getting to see them interact with different characters and i like that a lot of it is funny like there are moments that are played entirely for laughs there are a lot of jokes and the setting is very comfortable it's very familiar and I like that because a lot of the time when these movies start, when horror movies like this start, it's ominous right from the beginning and everything is treated so super seriously, like it's trying to scare you immediately. And I think that the jarring contrast between how happy everything seems and how pleasant this family is when they're all together and everything's normal, that all falling apart and shit really hitting the fan towards the end of this movie, I think it has much more of an impact on you once you've seen what their life could be and should be if everything was going right and shaking up that status quo in such a drastic way really makes you feel for them more and root for them and try to you know want want them to get back to how they were so i really like that and I think that that was one of the best decisions that the movie made. That certainly sets it apart from a lot of similar movies. Um, I <laughs> so, in general, like I said, the craft of this movie is very good. Really, any problems that I have with it are nitpicks. Um, I th was thinking of one in some of the early scenes. Uh, the weird, creepy, creepy yard worker people who are... Uh, digging up the their backyard for the pool what is happening there uh, I don't understand why mom is not at all concerned that these creepy like 40 year old people are hitting on her teenage daughter 
and I think that it is really weird that that guy just helps himself to their food, which is also kind of a theme in this movie, because then the paranormal investigator people, one of them steals their food too, like, uh, hey bro, you know, they're paying you, and also, this isn't your house, like, what, what are you doing? It was so weird, it's, it, it was like one of the things that caught me off guard, where I was like, does everyone just, like, have a free pass to eat all their food whenever they want? So that was kind of weird, but, uh, but yeah, I think that besides weird nitpicks like that, or, like, moments that kind of stand out as odd, this movie is just, in general, really, really well done. The practical effects are incredible. Like, the, just the idea of thinking through the logistics of how you would make something like this come to life in camera is crazy to me. There are certain moments where, again, a little bit nitpicky, but CGI didn't really exist yet, so some of this stuff is literally just cartoons over the film, like over the frame, and it looks just like that. So it looks kind of goofy, it looks kind of silly, I think it's much more effective if we just don't see it. The weird skeleton hands and like the weird sort of foggy mist stuff that is just clearly animation like it just doesn't look very good and i doubt it did back then either and i think the kind of just the general look of it the way it's clearly hand drawn it has a sort of goofy like i said cartoony look to it so it doesn't seem scary at all it just kind of seems like a roger rabbit type thing with the opacity turned down you know like it just seems like live action uh, actors and footage interacting with animation it doesn't seem real so I think it would have been more effective to just not show it but some of the animatronics in this are really good and when all the coffins are bursting up I was just like how did they do that and then when mom is upside down on the ceiling and you know I know that when that kind of stuff happens in camera it's always a rotating set but still just the the dedication to do something like that and then the the like the makeup and stuff throughout the whole movie it all looks so real and and like genuinely grimy in certain scenes and the face peeling off the one guy looks awesome the uh, uh the meat like the meat exploding on the counter that looks so cool like it all just looks so cool and i don't know how they did it but I love, love stuff like this. I really, really miss when the answer wasn't just to do it in a computer. Like I said, I know that that's an art. I've said it in the past, and I'll continue to say it, but I know it's an art. I just, it's so overused at this point that I don't think that even when you do something amazing, it just doesn't stand out as much because that's how everything's done now. So going back to this, it's so charming and it looks so good and there's a it's not like super scary this movie never really scared me but there's a, a the fact that it is real and like a lot of this stuff was done actually in camera is just so cool it adds a layer of tangibility to it, it like you can you can really feel it and i think that really helps because you don't have the degree of separation that you would have if you were watching something like, um, I don't know, we'll just say, for instance, the remake. I've never seen it, but I assume that it's probably a lot more reliant on CGI, and you just lack the, uh, like, you just lack the, the realism to it. You just lack the, the grit, you know? 
I really prefer this type of stuff. Even if it doesn't always age super well, it's great. Something's great about it that you know it was actually there, and it's just, it's so cool to me. Uh, speaking of the filmmaking, though, while all this stuff is good, I love the performances, I love the characters, I love the, um, the effects, the lighting, everything's really, really great in this movie. There is, as I touched on before, some disagreement and debate among the film community about who directed it. Toby Hooper's name is on the movie, like I said, and he directed, um, other movies. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That would be his most famous other work, I would say. Um, but there is a lot of differing accounts of whether or not he actually had control. It seems like it started off pretty innocuously. It was, uh, you know, one of his first big budget movies. He went from, uh, something like Texas Chainsaw, which is a super grimy, super dirty, like, very, um, a very not produced movie like it it was so uh violent and completely uncensored because they didn't really have like a traditional studio and they didn't really have anybody calling the shots like no one was telling them no and then he finally gets to this you know this big budget thing and it seems like it's just a much different environment and so from what i can tell he was having trouble getting sh certain shots like he just couldn't decide how exactly he wanted certain things to unfold and it was taking too long they were going to be running behind schedule so spielberg who is traditionally a pretty hands-on producer you know he's got the the mindset of he just wants to make every movie that he possibly can but a lot of the time you just have to prioritize which projects you genuinely want to direct and which ones that you feel like you can take a step back and produce and there was a lot of compromises like that for him especially in the 80s when he was starting to really get to the height of his power and from what I understand it seemed like he had to he had to sort of prioritize E.T. over this movie but he did do a lot of you know showing up on set really being there and surveying everything that was going on throughout the shoot of this and a lot of other movies so in this case Toby Huber's letting the film sort of fall behind schedule. He can't make up his mind, so Steven Spielberg just steps in and is like, hey, out of the way, I'm going to do this. I'm going to shoot it as best as it possibly can be shot, and we're going to get it done with and move on. And it seemed like that happened a couple of times, and it's possible that it just escalated and eventually, you know, he'd kind of taken over this shoot. I really don't know what happened, and I don't know if we ever will know what happened. There are differing accounts depending on who you ask, I mean, there's been tons of interviews conducted about this, and certain actors and crew members say, you know, Toby Hooper, 100%, every scene that we were in, every scene that we shot, Toby was behind the camera. There are certain people who say that, no, it was Spielberg, it was always Spielberg, you know, he would come in every day, he was, you know, he was 100% the director, so it really seems like we'll never know for sure, but my money is honestly on something a little bit more in between but i will say i bet that spielberg even if hoover was literally calling the shots i feel like spielberg might have been you know kind of behind him on that if that makes any sense like he i feel like there's a a pretty strong chance that he was the one telling hoover what to say i don't know i'm not making a judgment call either way i'm just stating what i figure is the most likely scenario 
because like I said, Spielberg has a reputation for being a notoriously uh, hands-on director. So, or sorry, hands-on producer. So I don't know. But there are a lot of scenes that have a very Spielbergian quality and the blocking and the staging and the way actors move through the scenes and the way the camera moves to perfectly frame all the action and all the characters it needs to, it it's just masterful and it really screams Spielberg to me in a lot of scenes. So I don't know. I really don't know. But I do feel like Spielberg probably did at least a 60-40 split on a lot of this. I'm just... You know, if I was a betting man, I'd probably bet on that. But anyway, this is a really great movie. I I really loved the characters, like I said. I loved how realistic they were and how they weren't just, like, you know, ominous and miserable from the start, how they were a genuinely happy family and a pretty believable group of people. I loved there are so many little touches that just kind of make this all seem really realistic, like the... Um, the Star Wars toys and the fact that the the son is so into all that, the fact that mom and dad smoke pot just, you know, very casually, and it's not addressed at all, but it's something about them, and it's just, you know, it's just there. It, it builds characters in, in a way. It gives them certain things that differentiate them from just standard um, archetypes in movies like this, so, yeah, this is really good, well directed, I don't know who did it, but they did it well, uh, well shot, well lit, the FX are really amazing, all this was firing on all cylinders, and I understand why it's been spoofed and parried, parodied beyond belief throughout the years, it's definitely really great and really memorable in a lot of scenes, uh, so yeah, I really, really enjoyed it, would definitely recommend it, if you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix right now, and yeah, go check this one out. It's definitely worth your time. All right, I am grateful that I have managed to increase my self-control. This is kind of a weird one. I don't really know if it's something that I can be grateful for. I don't really know, but it's something that I'm proud of myself for? I have no idea. This is kind of a weird one, but this movie made me think of it um, weird to me that there were stopping cues. I don't know if you've ever heard that term, but it's like a something in a piece of entertainment where there's an end to it, a definitive end, and you can't just keep mindlessly consuming it. That's something that a lot of people lament the fact that we have lost that as a society because everything's on demand and we can just have whatever we want whenever we want it now, which is in a lot of ways really, really good. But in some ways it, you know, it, it kind of, it doesn't allow you to, to be bored or to think of other things to, to do. And it kind of, it kind of leaves you in an uncreative mindset a lot of times if you let it. And so in this movie, I was thinking about how weird it is that one time there were like, at, at one time, there was a, just uh, a time of day where programmers decided, that's it, and they just aired snow. Like, that's insane to me, because now, no matter what channel you're on, something's playing, or you can go watch something on Netflix, or something on Prime, or Hulu, or HBO Max, or Disney+, Plus or Peacock, or... CBS All Access or whatever, pick your poison. Like, it's crazy to think that there was uh, 
a point in time where, you know, it wasn't even infomercials or, like, random sequels you didn't know existed airing at, like, 2, 3 a.m. Like, it, it was just nothing. That's so crazy. So that made me think about how it's it's good that um, I've been trying to make a conscious effort to enforce those stopping cues on my own life. I've been trying to play less video games. I've been trying to, if I'm bored, instead of just sitting there and scrolling through Instagram or whatever, just mindlessly consuming, trying to go outside, find something to do or explore or whatever, just like go around and try to appreciate things. So I'm grateful that that is an idea of living that exists. Like that doesn't really make sense how I said it, but like I'm grateful that that is something that I've been able to find for myself, if that makes any sense. Like, just that idea, that thought of, like, hey, I'm bored. I should just go make myself find something to do rather than just sitting here on my phone. And, like, I'm just grateful that uh, I've been able to, you know, kind of be successful in implementing that into my life. So, like I said, kind of a weird roundabout one. I'm not sure if it totally fits the format of how I usually do these, but it is something I'm still grateful that I've been able to achieve. So... Yeah, that's what I'm grateful for. Stopping cues. Pretty crazy that that was a thing. Like, now, this just wouldn't happen. There's not static anymore. That's so crazy. Alright. This one's running a little long, but hey, there was a lot to talk about. I thought this was really good and really ripe for discussion, so, you know what? Sue me. Uh... Before I get out of here, I do want to implore you to go rate, review, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can do it right in app, and it's really, really helpful. And if you know somebody in your life who you think would like this show, please send them my way. Word of mouth is one of the best ways that podcasts like this can spread. So, you know, if you got somebody who's also a huge movie buff, just let them know. Uh, if you want to find about find out about the most recent episode of this show, get my Amazon Prime promotion and get a full list of everywhere you can possibly listen to this show. You can find that all at moviesandmorepod.com, and there will be links to contact me there as well. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, or suggestions, that's all there. It's a really great homepage, landing page for everything that I do here. So anyway, uh, thank you as always for listening, and until next time, they're here. I would say, guys, if you hear something probably don't go downstairs and check, alright? Not not that you do hear something, but if you do, it might be a ghost. Alright, peace.